let me get there. All right. So starting in verse 13. Who is wise and has understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is dis disorder in every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is pure love. Is first love, then peaceful. Uh, is first pure, and then peaceful, loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism and hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the scripture you gave us so many years ago. Father, I pray that as we as we read it and as we listen, Father, that we will. Do more than just that, Father. We won't just stop with the hearing and, and listening of your word, Father, but we will take it and be in action for you, Father, as you've told us so much through James, Father. Father, I pray that we would just be doers of what you tell us and doers of how you change our hearts in these, in these times, these moments, Father. Father, give us this wisdom that only you can give. We praise you. We love you. Amen. So today we are going to talk about wisdom in God. Um, Wisdom is, is something we all want, right? We all want to be wise, and we all want wisdom in all situations. We want to know what, the, what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to do it, how we're supposed to do it. We always ask that question. Um, as parents, we ask, what can I do to make my children have a better life? As grandparents, you probably say the same thing about your grandchildren. What can I do to make them better and go forward? And how can I reach the people around me with the wisdom that God's given me? Well, first we have to understand what wisdom is and what it means to be wise. So the first verse that it says, Who is wise and has understanding among you, he should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. So one writer, one um, commentator I said, wrote, uh, Wise refers to someone with moral insight and skill in deciding practical issues of conduct. And someone with moral insight and skill in deciding practical issues of conduct. So someone that we think is wise is someone when a situation comes up, they're able to look at the situation, figure out what's going on, and then and then act upon that that wisdom, that knowledge base they have. That's that's wise, and somebody's willing to go get that. And then it says understanding is is someone with um, with knowledge of an expert. So someone that has the knowledge of an expert, somebody that understands something, they're experts in that field. If you want if you want somebody to work on your car. Don't come to me because I don't have the good understanding. I'm not, I don't have the knowledge of an expert. But what I do have is I have YouTube and I will go look for the knowledge of an expert. All right. So I don't understand it, but other people do. And so I use their knowledge, their understanding, their wisdom in order to help me out. And that's what we have to do sometimes. We are not wise and we are not really understanding when it comes to the world. There's only one that is wise and one that is understanding. And so it's asking who is wise is going back to the idea of last last week when we talked about the being a teacher and being held to that higher judgment. So if we're if we're if we're wanting to be a teacher and we're wanting to teach people, we have to be wise and understanding. And we're going to be judged based on what we're teaching. And if we're teaching based on ourselves, we're going to be judged based on that thought process. 
So wisdom comes from God and is shown through our actions as we see there in that second part of the verse. And so he should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. So we get our wisdom from God and then it doesn't stop there, right? Just because we have wisdom, we can't stop there. If I know how to do something and I don't do it, does it help anybody? If God gives me a gift and I'm not using it, is it being helpful? Right? If I have this extra human ability to work on cars and fix any car I come in contact with and I sit in my house and I see people with broken down cars, then what good is my gift? If God's given me wisdom and knowledge in some aspect and we hold it to ourselves, what use is it? I mean, just think about the, the idea that if God gave me a understanding of molecular science and and said, this is how you cure coronavirus. And I sat in my house with it all written down in a book, and I just left it there. What use is that knowledge? Who is it helping, right? It's helping no one. So our works flow into what wisdom has God given us. Are we wise? Are we using the, using the wisdom God gives us and sharing it with others? Does our action reflect the wisdom that comes from God? Now, if we claim to be wise in Christ, but our actions don't follow, we might want to look and see where our wisdom's coming from. If, we, if our actions aren't following what God's telling us, then where is our true wisdom coming from? What are we thinking? What are we doing? Is it really from God? Or are we getting our wisdom from somewhere else and holding on to it? Now, if we look at verses... 3, 14, um, 3, 14 through 16, it talks about a different kind of wisdom, a false wisdom. It says, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every kind of evil. And so as I, as I read through this this week, I see a lot of this around the world today. I see a lot of false wisdom based off of things that are not based out of what God's word says. I see a lot of people who are bitter and with envy and full of self-ambition. They don't care about other people when they do things. There's a lot of people that do a lot of good works and do a lot of good things. But where does that come from? Right, for us, it looks like they're doing good. But what's the ultimate goal? The goal is to make themselves look good. It's to make themselves more money. It's to help them out. Now say them a lot, then, then let's turn that around. Why do we, as individuals, do the good things that we do? What's our driving force at times? Do we help people because it's what God wants us to do? Or do we sometimes do it because it makes us look good in the community? people around us uh, it gives us we get praise for doing it for man would we do it just out of the goodness of a heart that's no overflow of what God has for us are we driven to look look good for the people around us do we serve God so that man can see us or do we serve serve so that the glory of God can be shown to the world both, both ways things are being done that are good, right? 
We can do a good thing for somebody and do a good work for somebody. It helps them out. But if it's just for our selfish ambition, it's not really good, helping to glorify God. Or are we doing it to glorify God? That's kind of a tough thought at times in our lives. We have to constantly check our hearts and see why am I doing what am I why why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it so I can look good or so God can look good? That can be scary sometimes to think about where our, where our true actions come from. It's, it gets so easy to be caught up in the caught up in serving others for personal gain. Gain is no, I have a struggle with that at times. I look around and I think, oh, I could do that. I'm gonna look good doing that. I'm gonna look like a good dad because I did this for my kids. I'm gonna look like a good teacher because I spent extra time doing this. And then I was reminded of a, a character in a TV show. Most of us can probably remember it. Leave it to Beaver. It's a little bit older than I am, but I think it was a good show. There was a, a character in there, Eddie Haskell. We all remember Eddie Haskell, right? That's, that's watched Leave it to Beaver. Think about the lifestyle he lived in that show. If you, you can go back a couple of years ago, right? He always did the right thing in front of the, the moms and the dads and the teacher. But as soon as those people were out of the room, he changed his attitude drastically, right? In front of the adults, he did the right thing and looked good for them and always was helpful. And, but as soon as the adults left, he was mischievous and conniving and he turned the others away from what the teachers and the parents were wanting to do. And I think sometimes we do that too. We, Depending on what group we're around or who we're around, we can be two different people. Sometimes in the church building, we can be one person, and then we step out and we're a different person at home. In public, we're one way with our family. In private, we're a different way with our family. And so we have to ask where our, where our wisdom in that's coming from, where our life is coming from in that. Are we being wise with God if we're living two lifestyles like that? Do we have different thoughts depending on who we're around? Does what we're saying to people and what we're thinking about that person match up? Do we praise somebody and talk about talk great things about somebody and at the same time we're thinking bad thoughts in our head about them? Well, we've all been there. Which we shouldn't be doing that, right? We, we should have positive praise for people and what God's love for people. But we show that love physically at times as we're doing it, but in the back of our head, in back of our minds, our thoughts are not in loving thoughts for them. This type of wisdom doesn't come from God, but it says here in this passage, it says it comes from earthly, unspiritual, and demonic sources. It's kind of challenging there, isn't it? That it comes from earthly. Earthly is bad enough that it comes from just people's thinking on earth. But then we get on spiritual, which means it's unbiblical, right? But then that last one, that's demonic spirits that's, that those thoughts are coming from, that wisdom's coming from. So as we're going against what, what God's wisdom is giving us in his word, and we're not getting our source from him, we may be getting it not from, not from man around us, but we may be getting information from the demons that are facing this world. They're telling us to do certain things that seem good, 
we're being tricked into doing what seems like the right thing to do and the doing good things, but we're not doing it for God's glory, but rather ourselves. As we talked a little bit last week, if we're not driving people towards God and following God's wisdom as we're teaching them, we might be driving them completely the opposite way, right? So that's what sometimes the demons are going to do. It's going to sound good. I mean, think about when Jesus was being tempted in the desert. Satan gave him some really good sounding things and it didn't really sound all that bad for him to eat at that moment. But Satan, but Jesus knew there was a test coming from Satan that was against God and just very, very little twist in the, the idea. But it was still wrong because it wasn't godly wisdom. It was coming from Satan. We can see this in the world today as we're looking at different things that are taught and that people want us to say. One thing is people want, us to, want to teach that there is no real truth. Right? There's no real absolute truth in the world. Everybody has their own truth. They can build their own ideas and thoughts, and, and that's what's right. There are many, many ways to reach heaven. As long as you do, do the good things, you'll be accepted. Sounds great, doesn't it? If I do good things, if I do the right things, and I'm always nice to people, then I'll be accepted by God. But what's the goal in doing those good things then? Is it to glorify God or to, to better ourselves, right? That, that's, not the, that's pushing away from what they're saying is we're not doing it for God's glory, but we're doing that for ourselves. Well, I'm going to do good things not, not so that um, God's glory can be shown, but so that I can get something. It's a, it's a close little twist there, right? But it's completely wrong when we say I'm going to do good things. Everybody who does good can go to heaven. He's a good guy. You can be a good guy and be completely lost. Another thing is, is uh, people say they can be what they want and choose for themselves what they can do with no consideration to what their creator wants for them. Something we, we accidentally tell our kids and we tell, we tell people all the world is, when you grow up, you can be whatever you want to be. That's what the world wants us to say, right? If you want to be something, you go, you strive and you can do that. You can be whatever you want to do and you can do whatever you want to do in life. Just, just persevere and do what you do what it is. Is that what God's word tells us to do? God's word says that, that we should strive to do what God wants us to do. Right? If God, God may not have the plans for us to be the doctor or the, or the president. He might have a plan that we're supposed to be homeless. And if we're striving to follow what he wants, we can still reach people through that time period, right? If we're following what God wants, it may not be the easiest lifestyle. It may not be the prettiest lifestyle. But there's a lot of poor people and a lot of rich people that are following God's plan for their life. And they're honoring God in everything they do. But there's a lot of people who are striving to get better at things with no idea what God has planned for them. With no idea that God has better for them. It might be turning down the multi-million dollar deals to honor God. It might not be the glamorous lifestyle that, that we think is the best thing that we can have in the world, right? So we have to make sure our wisdom is coming from God on what he wants to do. As, I saw, as uh, the song was saying this morning, the more I walk, the more I realize I need his hand. I can't go without him. If 
falls apart if I'm not if he's not holding my hand and pulling me along and taking me where I need to be. Because if if I'm left to my own accord, I'm going to walk to where the glamour is and the glory is for myself, not to God's glory. We might keep stepping away from him, and I need him to grab me and pull me back and say, get here. I mean, when I was a kid, I'd be walking around stores, and I would see the pretty objects or the pretty toys, and I would stop and be looking. Next thing I look up, my family's not there anymore because they weren't paying attention to where I was at. They would just keep on walking, and I would stop, and I'd be looking at something else. My eyes would be taken off of where I'm supposed to be at, what I'm supposed to be doing. The next thing I know, I'm alone because I got caught with the shiny object that wasn't where I was supposed to be at, right? I think we can all get caught up in that way in our lives. We can all get caught up in that object that is meaningless to the glory of God. And we get stuck staring at that and we forget God has this plan to move here. We're making a move here and do these things. Another thing people say is live your life to make you happy and don't worry about what others around you are thinking. Uh, we've all kind of seen that in shows. I'm going to do, I just do whatever I want to. It doesn't matter about them. As long as I'm happy, as long as I can, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, it's okay. We've all heard people say that, right? And we, we see how they live their life around us. And that's contrary to what God says. Jesus didn't say when he was down on the cross, I'm going to make myself happy and go down on the cross. Not, not worry about you guys, right? I said the opposite way around. He said, I'm going to go to the cross because you need it. I'm going to suffer this pain and take away the happiness part of this. And I'm going to hurt because God called me to do this for you because he loves you so much. That I'm going to obey God and put myself on the cross and I'll die so that you can have life didn't matter if he was happy there in, in that pain in that moment, right? He had complete joy in God and loved God so much that he said, I'm going to do this for you guys because God asked me to do it. Another thing it says to, we see this in all kinds of cartoons and Disney stuff for kids, right? It says, do what your heart tells you to do. Follow your heart. Right? Again, that sounds kind of good, right? Follow your heart. Do do what you, do as your heart tells you to do. But what I found in my life is my heart can be deceiving. My own personal heart can lie to me and tell me to do stuff that is not right. All right. We see a lot of marriages fall apart because of this. We see a lot of relationships that fail because somebody says their heart is what's in charge and they want to do something. Well, my heart said it was okay to do this. Right? My emotions are telling me this is what I'm supposed to do rather than following what God's word says they're supposed to do. We deceive ourselves. And so the punishment for that is when we, when we choose outside of God's plans, there's disorder and evil in the world. Look at, look at America today. Look at the streets there's a lot of disorder. There's a lot of evil going on. Right? As, as, as a nation, we, we call ourselves a Christian nation, but do we follow God's plan for our nation? Do we seek God in everything that we do? We talk a big game. 
But I kind of see the punishment happening right now with all the disorder and the, the evil that's going on in our world in a lot of different ways. It's full of chaos and, and everyone's doing their own thing, living their own lives. And they're all, everybody says they're doing it the right way. Well, how can we have everybody following God's plan and nothing, nothing of it seems to really match up with what God's plan is and that he's telling us to do it, you know? It's kind of weird when, when we should have one coach telling everybody what to do and everybody says it's a different play. People come together and say, I prayed about it. We're supposed to do this. Well, I prayed about it. We're supposed to do that instead. What? Is God confusing us? Is God messing with us? Well, we're not really seeking out God's wisdom for our country. As our, in our lives. Because I see a lot, a lot of chaos in the world today. And it seems like it's getting worse, not better. And as we listen to people talking, this is how we fix the chaos. Well, I don't seem to hear from anybody in the national side of it is that we need to fix the chaos. It's for us all to get on our knees and let God be in charge. That we need to quit following our plans and quit doing it our way, but rather let God do it his way. And so as we go through each day, we need to spend time doing that. And if, if each of us can do that in our own personal lives, if every Christian is standing, saying, spending time on their knees praying, and seeking out God's will, and seeking out God's plan, and seeking to live a life that's not honoring to themselves, but rather honoring to God, how much can that change the world around us? It'll break the, world's, the world around us. It'll bring um, order back from the chaos if we'll just do what we're supposed to do as Christians. We need to stay, live by the standards that the Creator gave us, and not by the way the world tells us we can live. Because the world doesn't want order and chaos. It doesn't want order, it wants chaos. It wants, Satan wants it to fall apart. He doesn't want us to be able to communicate with each other and talk to each other as Christians. We think back to the Tower of Babel, right? When the organization of the language was so well and people's hearts were so in tune with each other to do evil against God, God said, I can't have you guys be able to communicate like this and be evil together. So he separated everybody out in different languages so they couldn't be evil together. He broke them apart. So we have to do that with our own groups of people we hang out. We need to break that evil up and turn it all back to where God is, where we can depend on God for every aspect of our lives. And then James 3.17 talks about what is true wisdom. Says the wisdom the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism and hypocrisy. So there's a pretty good list there of what wisdom is, right? The first thing it says, wisdom is pure. And then it says it's peace living. So the definition there is it demonstrates the desire to promote peace between struggling factions. Do we help bring peace with people around us? As Christians, do we bring peace to the groups around us? When people are fighting, do we try to bring peace to them and bring God's love back to that group of people? 
Uh, as a country, we like to go over and try to be a peacemaking country, right? We take two countries that are fighting. We try to bridge that gap for them where there can be peace between them. Are we doing that with God's glory? Next thing it says, it says Gentile. It says being reasonable in the demands made, made towards others. Okay. Are we reasonable when we, when we take demands towards people? Or do we just expect what we want and that's it? For them to just bow down and do whatever we ask them to do. Or are we looking at what's best for them and not just ourselves? The third thing was compliant. Willingness to learn from others by being open to reason. Are we willing to hear somewhere we might be wrong? Somebody comes up to him and says, you know, I think you're doing it wrong. Are we willing to be open? Not saying we always have to change, but are we, are we open to checking our hearts and seeing, am I following what God's word tells me to do in these situations? Am I willing to do that when somebody comes up and says, I think what you're doing is not what God wants you to be doing. Are we at least open to being able to look inside ourselves and pray, with, pray and ask God to show you, am I doing it right? Or do I need to change something? Because I've seen, I know a lot of people that are not willing to be open when somebody tells them they're doing it wrong. Their reaction is just to say, you're doing it wrong, I'm doing it right. And then bring up all these other ways where they think that other person's wrong. Rather than just stop saying, you know what, I might be. I might be making a mistake. Let me look at it. Let me pray with God. Let me, let me spend time with God and see if that's real. Are we open to it? It says, full of mercy. Offering compassion to those in distress. Do we have compassion on people around us? Because there's a lot of people that are full of distress around us. Do we have compassion on them? Do we have empathy for them? Do we put ourselves in their shoes and say, you know, they might be hurting. They might be struggling. They, it may not be that they're mad at me, but they may just be having a really bad day. How can I pray for them? How can I help them? Do we have mercy on them? It says it has full, it's full of good fruits. Has actions and helpful deeds to others. Do we? Does our wisdom have that for other people around us? Are we helpful? Helpful to them? Do we do good deeds for them? And the last thing it says: True wisdom doesn't have favoritism or hypocrisy. It's impartial without without commitments, right? You know, I think that we can all get caught up in the idea of having favoritism with people. We're having hypocrisy in our own life. Like it's right for me. It's okay for me to do this, but not for you. Right. My kids probably want to call me out sometimes when I'm eating a snack, when I'm eating a candy bar, and they ask me, "Can I have that?" No, you can't have that. It's not good for you. Right? It's okay for me, but not for you. And so I think we all have that those things in our lives. Like we have sin in our life that we've okayed, and we said, "I'm okay with this piece of sin in my life." However, for the people around me, you guys can't have that. We see that in a lot of different aspects of life where people, they have the hypocrisy or they show favoritism to others. And that's not true wisdom coming from God. So we did, that's a lit, kind of a list of things that we can check. Are our actions pe full of peace-loving? Are they Gentile, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits, and without favoritism or hypocrisy? Because that's where true wisdom is. And only God can give that to us. Because if we take it outside of God and we try to have that list outside of God, I can promise we're going to 
have that earthly and unspiritual and demonic forces pushing at us and turning it back around against us. We must have it with God. I mean, imagine just if, if everybody lived with those attributes in their life. Just imagine if all of us here in Sparks lived that way. What would the people in the community think? What would they see? Would their lives be changed because we were following God's list there? That we were reasonable with our demands? That we were willing to, when they say, I think you're doing something wrong, that we're willing to stop and say, you know what, I might be. And let me go pray about it. Let me see where we're at here on this. Right? Or when we see somebody that's hurting and in distress, that we go and we help them, not for a benefit for ourselves, but just for their, for their love and their joy. How much would that change this world? And the last thing we see here is it says, and so the last question we have to ask is, what do we do? So James 3.18 says, the, the, fruit of righteousness, the fruit of righteousness is shown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Okay, so that fruit of righteousness is shown through peace as we cultivate peace. Can we cultivate peace? Can we do that ourselves? No. And that's something that can only come through God. The only God can cultivate in us. But we can't grow ourselves. God has to grow us. He has to be the first to cultivate it. And to put that peace inside us that can grow. And we have to allow him to continue to grow it. Continue to work through it. Um, only God can make us wise and righteous. So there's three verses here I have that talks about how true peace only comes through God. It says in um, 2 John 3. It says grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father. And from Jesus Christ the Son of the Father in truth and love. Then Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it says in first, uh, Philippians 4, 9, it says, Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. So as we, as we learn and see and, and follow what Jesus did and what these other people that God gives us as examples as we honor them and look at their lives, then the God of peace can work through us. But until we're willing to stop, study what God says, study his word, and go to him for all our wisdom and our knowledge, we can't be peaceful. We have a hard time living in peace with others around us in the true sense of peace, right? In that true sense of wisdom that we talk about. So we'll look at one verse. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school. We read this in Philippians. Philippians 2.12, it says, So then, my brothers, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. And that last part there, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you to both to desire and to work out his good purpose. It's not, it, yeah, I catch that last, that first part there, is God working in you. It's not you working to do the good works and you do, working to have desire, 
but only comes through God working inside of you. If God's not working inside of you or you're not allowing him to work inside of you, you can never have true wisdom. So if today, if you don't have God working inside of you and you don't feel like you have the true wisdom coming from God, take time this morning, seek out where you're at. Seek out, is God working in you? Have you allowed him to enter into your life to change you, to mold you, to shape you, to being a follower of him? Because until you do, he's not going to work inside of you. He wants to work in you and work through you for his glory. And we can take that pressure off of ourselves. We allow him to do the work. So as the musicians come forward, my, my hope today is that as we walk away from here, we walk away knowing that, that we can't do this on our own. I, I hope in no way that I've let you, let you guys thinking that you have the ability to do this on your own because we can't. Even the best of us cannot have true wisdom and knowledge without God. No matter how hard we try, we can never do it on our own. We can never have true joy on our own. We can never get to heaven on our own. It all has to come through God and his love and his mercy for us. Without God leading us, we would be led astray and we'd be full of envy and selfish ambition from the world and the deceiver. And because we have, because we'll be full of envy and selfish ambition, our world will be filled with disorder and chaos. And I don't want that for you and I don't want that for me. So in order to help us with the order and chaos, let's, let's, God, let's let God be the one who's the arranger of all that. Let him be the one who gives us true wisdom. But first, we must turn our lives over to God in order that we can truly experience his wisdom. So today, my challenge is for you is to turn your life over to God and let him be the wisdom for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Father, for giving us true wisdom. We thank you for sending your Son, Father, who, who gave his life that we might have life. Father, he didn't do it for his personal gain, Father, but he did it to glorify you. And I pray that as you call us to do things for your glory, that we won't worry about what the, the personal gain or loss is for us, Father, but just to know that, that it's for you and your glory. Father, we praise you. We love you. In your name. Amen. Would you please stand and turn to page 602? I have decided to follow Jesus. So let me get there. All right. So starting in verse 13. Who is wise and has understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is dis disorder in every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is pure love. Is first love, then peaceful, uh, is first pure, and then peaceful, loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits without favoritism and hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace.
Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word, Father. We thank you for the scripture you gave us so many years ago. Father, I pray that as we as we read it and as we listen, Father, that we will do more than just that, Father. We won't just stop with the hearing and, and listening of your word, Father, but we will take it and be in action for you, Father, as you've told us so much through James, Father. Father, I pray that we will just be doers of what you tell us and doers of how you change our hearts in these, in these times, these moments, Father. Father, give us this wisdom that only you can give. We praise you. We love you. Amen. So today we are going to talk about wisdom in God. Um, so wisdom is, is something we all want, right? We all want to be wise, and we all want wisdom in all situations. We want to know what, the, what we're supposed to do, when we're supposed to do it, how we're supposed to do it. We always ask that question. Um, as parents, we ask, what can I do to make my children have a better life? As grandparents, you probably say the same thing about your grandchildren. What can I do to make them better and go forward? And how can I reach the people around me with the wisdom that God's given me? Well, first we have to understand what wisdom is and what it means to be wise. So the first verse that it says, Who is wise and has understanding among you? He should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. So one writer, one um, commentator I said, wrote, uh, Wise refers to someone with moral insight and skill in deciding practical issues of conduct. And someone with moral insight and skill in deciding practical issues of conduct. So someone that we think is wise is someone when a situation comes up, they're able to look at the situation, figure out what's going on, and then and then act upon that that wisdom, that knowledge base they have. That's that's wise, and somebody's willing to go get that. And then it says understanding is is someone with um, with knowledge of an expert. So someone that has the knowledge of an expert, somebody that understands something, they're experts in that field. If you want if you want somebody to work on your car. Don't come to me because I don't have the good understanding. I'm not, I don't have the knowledge of an expert. But what I do have is I have YouTube and I will go look for the knowledge of an expert. All right. So I don't understand it, but other people do. And so I use their knowledge, their understanding, their wisdom in order to help me out. And that's what we have to do sometimes. We are not wise and we are not really understanding when it comes to the world. There's only one that is wise and one that is understanding. And so it's asking who is wise is going back to the idea of last last week when we talked about the being a teacher and being held to that higher judgment. So if we're if we're if we're wanting to be a teacher and we're wanting to teach people, we have to be wise and understanding. And we're going to be judged based on what we're teaching. And if we're teaching based on ourselves, we're going to be judged based on that thought process. So wisdom comes from God. And it's shown through our actions as we see there in that second part of the verse. And so he should show his works by good conduct with wisdom's gentleness. So we get our wisdom from God and then it doesn't stop there, right? Just because we have wisdom, we can't stop there. If I know how to do something and I don't do it, does it help anybody? If God gives me a gift and I'm not using it, is it being helpful? Right? If I have this extra human ability to work on cars and fix any car I come in contact with and I sit in my house and I see people with broken down cars, then what good is my gift? If God's given me wisdom and knowledge in some aspect and we hold it to ourselves, what use is it? 
mean, just think about the, the idea that if God gave me a understanding of molecular science and, and said, this is how you cure coronavirus. And I sat in my house with it all written down in a book and I just left it there. What use is that knowledge? Who is it helping, right? It's helping no one. So our works flow into what wisdom has God given us. Are we wise? Are we using the, using the wisdom God gives us and sharing it with others? Does our action reflect the wisdom that comes from God? Now, if we claim to be wise in Christ, but our actions don't follow, we might want to look and see where our wisdom's coming from. If, we, if our actions aren't following what God's telling us, then where is our true wisdom coming from? What are we thinking? What are we doing? Is it really from God? Or are we getting our wisdom from somewhere else and holding on to it? And if we look at verses 3, 14, um, 3, 14 through 16, it talks about a different kind of wisdom, a false wisdom. It says, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't brag and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where envy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every kind of evil. And so as I, as I read through this this week, I see a lot of this around the world today. I see a lot of false wisdom based off of things that are not based out of what God's word says. I see a lot of people who are bitty, bitter in, with envy and full of self-ambition. They don't care about other people when they do things. There's a lot of people that do a lot of good works and do a lot of good things. But where does that come from? Right, for us, it looks like they're doing good. But what's the ultimate goal? Their goal is to make themselves look good. It's to make themselves more money. It's to help them out. Now, say them a lot, then, then let's turn that around. Why do we, as individuals, do the good things that we do? What's our driving force at times? Do we help people because it's what God wants us to do? Or do we sometimes do it because it makes us look good in the community, to people around us? Uh, it gives us, we get praise for doing it for man. Or do we do it just out of the goodness of a heart that's no overflow of what God has for us? Are we driven to look, look good for the people around us? Do we serve God so that man can see us? Or do we serve, serve so that the glory of God can be shown to the world? Both, both ways things are being done that are good, right? We can do a good thing for somebody and do a good work for somebody. It helps them out. But if it's just for our selfish ambition, it's not really good, helping to glorify God. Or are we doing it to glorify God? That's kind of a tough thought at times in our lives. We have to constantly check our hearts and see why am I doing what am I why why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it so I can look good or so God can look good? That can be scary sometimes to think about where our, where our true actions come from. It's, it gets so easy to be caught up in the caught up in serving others for personal gain. Is I know I have a struggle with that at times. I look around and I think, oh, I could do that. I'm going to look good doing that. I'm going to look like a good dad because I did this for my kids. 
I'm going to look like a good teacher because I spent extra time doing this. And I was reminded of a, a character in a TV show. Most of us can probably remember it. Leave it to Beaver. It's a little bit older than I am, but I think it was a good show. There was a, a character in there, Eddie Haskell. We all remember Eddie Haskell, right? That's, that's watched Leave it to Beaver. Think about the lifestyle he lived in that show. If you, you can go back a couple of years ago, right? He always did the right thing in front of the, the moms and the dads and the teacher. But as soon as those people were out of the room, he changed his attitude drastically, right? In front of the adults, he did the right thing and looked good for them and always was helpful. And, but as soon as the adults left, he was mischievous and conniving, and he turned the others away from what the teachers and the parents were wanting to do. And I think sometimes we do that too. We, Depending on what group we're around or who we're around, we can be two different people. Sometimes in the church building, we can be one person, and then we step out and we're a different person at home. In public, we're one way with our family. In private, we're a different way with our family. And so we have to ask where our, where our wisdom in that's coming from, where our life is coming from in that. Are we being wise with God if we're living two lifestyles like that? Do we have different thoughts depending on who we're around? Does what we're saying to people and what we're thinking about that person match up? Do we praise somebody and talk about talk great things about somebody and at the same time, we're thinking bad thoughts in our head about them. We're, we've all been there. Which we shouldn't be doing that, right? We, we should have positive praise for people, what God's love for people. But we show that love physically at times as we're doing it. But in the back of our head, in the back of our minds, our thoughts are not in loving thoughts for them. This type of wisdom doesn't come from God, but it says here in this passage, it says it comes from earthly, unspiritual, and demonic sources. It's kind of challenging there, isn't it? That it comes from earthly. Earthly is bad enough that it comes from just people's thinking on earth. But then we get unspiritual, which means it's unbiblical, right? But then that last one, that's demonic spirits that's, that those thoughts are coming from, that wisdom's coming from. So as we're going against what, what God's wisdom is giving us in his word, and we're not getting our source from him, we may be getting it not from, not from man around us, but we may be getting information from the demons that are facing this world. They're telling us to do certain things that seem good. We're being tricked into doing what seems like the right thing to do and doing good things, but we're not doing it for God's glory, but rather ourselves. As we talked a little bit last week, if we're not driving people towards God and following God's wisdom as we're teaching them, we might be driving them completely the opposite way, right? So that's what sometimes the demons are going to do. It's going to sound good. I mean, think about when Jesus was being tempted in the desert. Satan gave him some really good sounding things and it didn't really sound all that bad for him to eat at that moment. But, Satan, but Jesus knew there was a test coming from Satan that was against God and just very very little twist in the, the idea. But it was still wrong because it wasn't godly wisdom. It was coming from Satan. 
And we can see this in the world today as we're looking at different things that are taught and that people want us to say. One thing is people want, us to, want to teach that there is no real truth. Right? There's no real absolute truth in the world. Everybody has their own truth. They can build their own ideas and thoughts and, and that's what's right. There are many, many ways to reach heaven. As long as you do, do the good things, you'll be accepted. Sounds great, doesn't it? If I do good things, if I do the right things, and I'm always nice to people, then I'll be accepted by God. But what's the goal in doing those good things then? Is it to glorify God or to, to better ourselves, right? That, that's, not the, that's pushing away from what they're saying is, we're not doing it for God's glory, but we're doing that for ourselves. Well, I'm going to do good things, not, not so that um, God's glory can be shown, but so that I can get something. It's a, it's a close little twist there, right? But it's completely wrong when we say, I'm going to do good things. Everybody who does good can go to heaven. He's a good guy. You can be a good guy and be completely lost. Another thing is, is uh, people say they can be what they want and choose for themselves what they can do with no consideration to what their creator wants for them. Something we, we accidentally tell our kids and we tell, we tell people all the world is when you grow up, you can be whatever you want to be. That's what the world wants us to say, right? If you want to be something, you go, you strive and you can do that. You can be whatever you want to do, and you can do whatever you want to do in life. Just, just persevere and do what you do. What it is? Is that what God's word tells us to do? God's word says that that we should strive to do what God wants us to do. Right? If God may not have the plans for us to be the doctor or the or the president. He might have a plan that we're supposed to be homeless, and if we're striving to follow what He wants, we can still reach people through that time period. Right? If we're following what God wants, it may not be the easiest lifestyle. It may not be the prettiest lifestyle. But there's a lot of poor people and a lot of rich people that are following God's plan for their life. And they're honoring God in everything they do. But there's a lot of people who are striving to get better at things with no idea what God has planned for them. With no idea that God has better for them. It might be turning down the multi-million dollar deals to honor God. It might not be the glamorous lifestyle that, that we think is the best thing that we can have in the world, right? So we have to make sure our wisdom is coming from God on what he wants to do. As, I saw, as uh, the song was saying this morning, the more I walk, the more I realize I need his hand. I can't go without him. It falls apart if, I'm not, if he's not holding my hand and pulling me along and taking me where I need to be. Because it, if I'm left of my own accord, I'm going to walk to where the glamour is and the glory is for myself, not to God's glory. We might keep stepping away from him. And I need him to grab me and pull me back and say, get here. I mean, when I was a kid, I'd be walking around stores and I would see the pretty objects or the pretty toys. And I would stop and be looking. Next thing I look up, my family's not there anymore. Because they weren't paying attention to where I was at. They would just keep on walking. And I would stop and I'd be looking at something else. My eyes would be taken off of where I'm supposed to be at, what I'm supposed to be doing. And next thing I know, I'm alone because I got caught with the shiny object that wasn't where I was supposed to be at, right?
So I think we can all get caught up in that way in our lives. We can all get caught up in that object that is meaningless to the glory of God. And we get stuck staring at that and we forget God has this plan to move here. We're making a move here and do these things. Another thing people say is live your life to make you happy and don't worry about what others around you are thinking. Uh, we've all kind of seen that in shows. I'm going to do, I just do whatever I want to. It doesn't matter about them. As long as I'm happy, as long as I can, I'm enjoying what I'm doing, it's okay. We've all heard people say that, right? And we, we see how they live their life around us. And that's contrary to what God says. Jesus didn't say when he was down on the cross, I'm going to make myself happy and go down on the cross. Not, not worry about you guys, right? I said the opposite way around. He said, I'm going to go to the cross because you need it. I'm going to suffer this pain and take away the happiness part of this. And I'm going to hurt because God called me to do this for you because he loves you so much that I'm going to obey God and put myself on the cross and I'll die so that you can have life. Didn't matter if he was happy there in, in that pain in that moment, right? He had complete joy in God and loved God so much that he said, I'm going to do this for you guys because God asked me to do it. Another thing it says to, we see this in all kinds of cartoons and Disney stuff for kids, right? It says, do what your heart tells you to do. Follow your heart. Right? Again, that sounds kind of good, right? Follow your heart. Do do what you, do as your heart tells you to do. But what I found in my life is my heart can be deceiving. My own personal heart can lie to me and tell me to do stuff that is not right. All right. We see a lot of marriages fall apart because of this. We see a lot of relationships that fail because somebody says their heart is what's in charge. And they want to do something. Well, my heart said it was okay to do this. Right? My emotions are telling me this is what I'm supposed to do. Rather than following what God's word says they're supposed to do. We deceive ourselves. And so the punishment for that is when we, when we choose outside of God's plans, there's disorder and evil in the world. Look at, look at America today. Look at the streets. There's a lot of disorder. There's a lot of evil going on. Right? As, as, as a nation, we, we call ourselves a Christian nation, but do we follow God's plan for our nation? Do we seek God in everything that we do? We talk a big game. But I kind of see the punishment happening right now with all the disorder and the, the evil that's going on in our world in a lot of different ways. It's full of chaos and, and everyone's doing their own thing, living their own lives. And all, everybody says they're doing it the right way. Well, how can we have everybody following God's plan and nothing, nothing of it seems to really match up with what God's plan is and that he's telling us to do it, you know? It's kind of weird when, when we should have one coach telling everybody what to do and everybody says it's a different play. People come together and say, I prayed about it. We're supposed to do this. Well, I prayed about it. We're supposed to do that instead. Well, is God confusing us? Is God messing with us? Well, we're not really seeking out God's wisdom for our country. 
as our, in our lives. Because I see a lot, a lot of chaos in the world today. And it seems like it's getting worse, not better. And as we listen to people talking, this is how we fix the chaos. What I don't seem to hear from anybody in the national side of it is that we need to fix the chaos is for us all to get on our knees and let God be in charge. That we need to quit following our plans and quit doing it our way, but rather let God do it his way. And so as we go through each day, we need to spend time doing that. And if, if each of us can do that in our own personal lives, if every Christian is standing, saying, spending time on their knees praying and seeking out God's will and seeking out God's plan and seeking to live a life that's not honoring to themselves but rather honoring to God, how much can that change the world around us? It'll break the world's the world around it. You'll bring um, order back from the chaos if we'll just do what we're supposed to do as Christians. We need to stand, live by the standards that the Creator gave us and not by the way the world tells us we can live. Because the world doesn't want order and chaos. It doesn't want order. It wants chaos. It wants Satan wants it to fall apart. He doesn't want us to be able to communicate with each other and talk to each other as Christians. We think back to the Tower of Babel, right? When the organization of the language was so well and people's hearts were so in tune with each other to do evil against God, God said, I can't have you guys be able to communicate like this and be evil together. So he separated everybody out in different languages so they couldn't be evil together. He broke them apart. So we have to do that with our own groups of people we hang out. We need to break that evil up and turn it all back to where God is, where we can depend on God for every aspect of our lives. And then James 3.17 talks about what is true wisdom. It says, the wisdom, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, without favoritism and hypocrisy. So there's a pretty good list there of what wisdom is, right? The first thing it says, wisdom is pure. And then it says it's peace living. So the definition there is, it demonstrates the desire to promote peace between struggling factions. Do we help bring peace with people around us? As Christians, do we bring peace to the groups around us? When people are fighting, do we try to bring peace to them and bring God's love back to that group of people? Uh, as a country, we like to go over and try to be a peacemaking country, right? We take two countries that are fighting. We try to bridge that gap for them where there can be peace between them. Are we doing that with God's glory? Next thing it says, it says Gentile. It says being reasonable in the demands made, made towards other. Okay, Are we reasonable when we, when we take demands towards people? Or do we just expect what we want and that's it? For them to just bow down and do whatever we ask them to do. Or are we looking at what's best for them and not just ourselves? The third thing was compliant. Willingness to learn from others by being open to reason. Are we willing to hear somewhere we might be wrong? Somebody comes up to us and says, you know, I think you're doing it wrong. Are we willing to be open not saying we always have to change, 
But are we, are we open to checking our hearts and seeing, am I following what God's word tells me to do in these situations? Am I willing to do that when somebody comes up and says, I think what you're doing is not what God wants you to be doing? Are we at least open to being able to look inside ourselves and pray with pray and ask God to show you, am I doing it right? Or do I need to change something? Because I've seen, I know a lot of people that are not willing to be open when somebody tells them they're doing it wrong. Their reaction is just to say, you're doing it wrong, I'm doing it right. And then bring up all these other ways where they think that other person's wrong. Rather than just stop saying, you know what, I might be. I might be making a mistake. Let me look at it. Let me pray with God. Let me, let me spend time with God and see if that's real. Are we open to it? It says, full of mercy, offering compassion to those in distress. Do we have compassion on people around us? Because there's a lot of people that are full of distress around us. Do we have compassion on them? Do we have empathy for them? Do we put ourselves in their shoes and say, you know, they might be hurting. They might be struggling. They, it may not be that they're mad at me, but they may just be having a really bad day. How can I pray for them? How can I help them? Do we have mercy on them? It says it has full, it's full of good fruits. It has actions and helpful deeds to others. Do we... Does our wisdom have that for other people around us? Are we helpful helpful to them? Do we do good deeds for them? And the last thing it says, true wisdom doesn't have favoritism or hypocrisy. It's impartial without, without commitments, right? You know, I think that we can all get caught up in the idea of having favoritism with people or having hypocrisy in our own life. Like it's right for me, it's okay for me to do this, but not for you. My kids probably want to call me out sometimes when I'm eating a snack, when I'm eating a candy bar, and they ask me, "Can I have that?" No, you can't have that. It's not good for you, right? It's okay for me, but not for you. And so I think we all have that those things in our lives. Like we have sin in our life that we've okayed, and we said, "I'm okay with this piece of sin in my life." However, for the people around me, you guys can't have that. We see that in a lot of different aspects of life where people, they have the hypocrisy or they show favoritism to others. And that's not true wisdom coming from God. So we did, that's a lit, kind of a list of things that we can check. Are our actions pe- full of peace-loving? Are they Gentile, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits, and without favoritism and hypocrisy? Because that's what true wisdom is. And only God can give that to us. Because if we take it outside of God and we try to have that list outside of God, I can promise we're going to have that earthly and unspiritual and demonic forces pushing at us and turning it back around against us. We must have it with God. I mean, imagine just if if everybody lived with those attributes in their life. Just imagine if all of us here in Sparks lived that way. What would the people in the community think? What would they see? Would their lives be changed because we were following God's list there? That we were reasonable with our demands? That we were willing to, when they say, I think you're doing something wrong, that we're willing to stop and say, you know what, I might be. And let me go pray about it. Let me see where we're at here on this. Right? Or when we see somebody that's hurting and in distress, that we go and we help them, not for a benefit for ourselves, but just for their for their love and their joy. How much would that change this world? The last thing we see here is it says, and so the last question we have to ask is, what do we do? 
So in James 3.18 it says, the, the fruit of righteousness the fruit of righteousness is shown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Okay? So that fruit of righteousness is shown through peace as we cultivate peace. Can we cultivate peace? Can we do that ourselves? No. So that's something that can only come through God. The only God can cultivate in us we can't grow ourselves. God has to grow us. He has to be the first to cultivate it and to put that peace inside us that can grow. And we have to allow him to continue to grow it, continue to work through it. Um, only God can make us wise and righteous. So there's three verses here I have that talks about how true peace only comes through God. It says in um, 2 John 3, it says, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Then Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it says in first, uh, Philippians 4, 9, it says, Do what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. So as we, as we learn and see and, and follow what Jesus did and what these other people that God gives us as examples as we honor them and look at their lives, then the God of peace can work through us. But until we're willing to stop, study what God says, study his word, and go to him for all our wisdom and our knowledge, we can't be peaceful. We have a hard time living in peace with others around us in the true sense of peace, right? In that true sense of wisdom that we talk about. So we'll look at one verse. We talked about this a little bit in Sunday school. We read this in Philippians. Philippians 2.12, it says, So then, my brothers, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. And that last part there, for it is God who is working in you, enabling you to both to desire and to work out his good purpose. It's not, it, yeah, I catch that last, that first part there, is God working in you. It's not you working to do the good works and you do, working to have desire but it only comes through God working inside of you. If God's not working inside of you or you're not allowing him to work inside of you, you can never have true wisdom. So if today, if you don't have God working inside of you and you don't feel like you have the true wisdom coming from God, take time this morning, seek out where you're at. Seek out, is God working in you? Have you allowed him to enter into your life to change you, to mold you, to shape you to being a follower of him. Because until you do, he's not going to work inside of you. He wants to work in you and work through you for his glory. And we can take that pressure off of ourselves. we allow him to do the work. So as the musicians come forward, my, my hope today is that as we walk away from here, we walk away knowing that, that we can't do this on our own. I, I hope in no way 
that I'll let you, let you guys thinking that you have the ability to do this on your own because we can't. Even the best of us cannot have true wisdom and knowledge without God. No matter how hard we try, we can never do it on our own. We can never have true joy on our own. We can never get to heaven on our own. It all has to come through God and his love, his mercy for us. Without God leading us, we would be led astray, and we'd be full of envy and selfish ambition from the world and the deceiver. And because we have, because we'll be full of envy and selfish ambition, our world will be filled with disorder and chaos. And I don't want that for you, and I don't want that for me. So in order to help us with the order and chaos, let's, let's, God, let's let God be the one who's the arranger of all that. Let him be the one who gives us true wisdom. But first, we must turn our lives over to God in order that we can truly experience his wisdom. So today, my challenge is for you is to turn your life over to God and let him be the wisdom for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Father, for giving us true wisdom. We thank you for sending your son, Father, who, who gave his life that we might have life. Father, he didn't do it for his personal gain, Father, but he did it to glorify you. And I pray that as you call us to do things for your glory, that we won't worry about what the, the personal gain or loss is for us, Father, but just to know that, that it's for you and your glory. Father, we praise you and we love you. In your name, amen. Would you please stand and turn to page 602? I have decided to follow Jesus.